Thanks for joining us. We are going to do a deep dive into what's happening at the debacle in Afghanistan and the invasion at our southern border with none other than Victor Marks. Stick around. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Seek First podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We want to talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever my guests are into, we want to unpack so we can understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. I am with Victor Marks, and all of us are really in awe right now of seeing what's happening in Afghanistan. And uh, we, we, we can't believe it as we're watching it with our own eyes, people swarming the airport and um, those things. Victor, not only do you have people on the ground there, but give people a little synopsis about how involved you've been there as we launch into an update from you. Yeah, Rick, thanks for having me. Uh, I would say that, you know, having networks are incredibly important in relationships uh, when you're doing work like this, uh, from indigenous people to locals to military to uh, special operations guys to former. So our networks are pretty broad because of what we do. And um, it's complete chaos right now. Uh, and it's sad that it had to come to this. Um, and again, I've been telling people, this this is a direct decision by the administration that caused this. And uh, it was avoidable. So as a result, you've got good people trapped. You've got... Um, bad people running free and hunting them. And, you know, the images on television only give you a small idea of what it's really like. But, uh, you know, I posted a, a video of a, a military uh, plane hop taking off, people hanging on and then falling off of it and bouncing on the runway to their death. So that's the desperation that's in the Afghan people. And, um, uh, it's it's pretty tragic and horrific. So let's uh, back up a little bit. We were talk, hear, hearing about the drawdown. This is such a um, such a breakdown in the administration's execution of this. I mean, they have boots on the ground that are going giving the Pentagon and the Secretary of Defense, uh, DoD, all all of this information, how can it break down and have such a weak, helpless, especially not getting our people out that are American citizens? I mean, where in this communication change, what's your observation? I mean, you're, you're tapped in and plugged in so much more than the rest of us, Victor, with your network. Tell us what's really at the root of all this. Poor leadership. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. Uh, you know, you can get around talking heads and think tanks. It boils down to one thing, just poor leadership. And and I'm going to say something that's going to maybe shock some people, but it didn't happen overnight. It's been like this for a very long time. Uh, my COO, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Teagues, who retired out of the special operations community, this is a this is a warrior that had a thousand missions, and was a you know, squadron commander for the A squadron at the unit or Delta. And I'm telling you firsthand that even when they were targeting very bad people in Afghanistan, the overall consensus and directive was to catch and release. By and large, that was it. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things that we didn't have in Afghanistan uh, was a detention facility, a real detention facility. So you take, you interrogate, and then you'd have to, there were times guys in the unit, Delta, would actually have to fly, helo back a bad guy to his village and drop him off. So, the, the or, you know, if you smoked a bad guy, you had to give an extensive account why. So, you know what? Let's just go back there during the... Because think about it right now. Why are there so many Taliban? You know, you got to, in war, 
let your professional lawyers kill bad people. And they just have, they just have not allowed uh, our military to do that. Is that back in the uh, Trump administration as well, or just for the last seven months? Or, I mean, as long as we've been in Afghanistan. As long as we've been in Afghanistan. You know, now, um, uh, listen, why are all the Taliban in Kabul right now? <laughs> it's a pretty good opportunity if you're talking from a you know strategic standpoint. They've come out of the hills and caves, uh, but yet decisions are made by poor leaders, oftentimes people who've never even been to a theater. I, I'll never forget, because we operate a lot with our organization and ministry in Iraq and Syria, but I, I remember sitting down with a think tank, decision makers, policy makers over lunch. I shared some information uh, that you know, uh, I had a meeting with a certain guy, and I'll just, I mean, I'll tell your audience, it, we call him the professor, uh, how his name, but he, he was the gentleman that actually signed a PhD in Islamic science study and all for al-Baghdadi. So no one could get a me meeting with this guy, not military, not government, but he was a imam, and he was a, a heavy thought influencer. So he met with me, and I remember, you know, asking why 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 does he want to meet with me and you know what he said we've watched you for two years two years and you genuinely care about our children he said people don't do that so that gave me the end but i remember explaining some things because he actually brought me to a a you know uh, a group of persecuted christians that have been run out of karagosh and and he said you, you've got to help these people they're your people victor Okay, an Islamic leader. And uh, so I'm telling this plus some other things to this. And one of the head people looks at me, looks at me right across the table and says, I don't believe you. I said, I don't care. And then I kept eating because I thought <laughs> you have no, you, you spineless, weak willed person have, have no influence on what I'm doing with our teams and organization. So. And then to their credit, because I think I was so direct and they really realized I'm not playing in their sandbox, this person goes, they, they, they're kind of stunned. <clears throat> and then they said this, they go, they mumble. Well, I, I've, I've actually never met a senior Islamic leader. And everybody kind of stopped and looked. And then this person, man, the final death knell said, I've never even been to Iraq. So this shows you how twisted the leadership is and including not just think tank, not just uninformed political leaders, uh, but also men in the military. There are men in the military who are there making decisions based only on their career, just like a politician. Uh, Colonel Teagues, I can guarantee you because of his success, listen, a thousand missions, he never lost a man. He's a legend in the special operations community. Five bronze stars and a silver with V for Valor. The, by, I mean, hands down, the best man hunter, evil monster hunter I've ever known, worked with, and I'm glad he's my colleague. But listen, he never made decisions based on the advancement of his career. And I think there's a lot of people, wherever you are, you need to take his advice and leadership for that very reason, including pastors and ministry, because, you know, there's a bunch of goofballs out there, passive pastors that, you know, they're just trying to build their little flock. And it's like, man, uh, some of you guys that want to grab you by your belt loop and drag you to, you know, drag you to a place to where you'll see real people living their faith. But sorry, I digress. Leadership. <laughs> leadership. <laughs> Thanks. Give us a spanking. We need it, Victor. It's, yeah. it's time for a little correction in leadership. So failed leadership, people making bad decisions for a lot of years in Afghanistan and Iraq. Not, I mean, yeah. basically getting, you know, catch, release, give them a first class ride back to their village, drop them off like they're a VIP. And uh, you really can't go after the bad guys. So how are things going to change? As soon as there's the leadership vacuum, all the bad guys come out of the hills. 
and the announcements that, that is there. So uh, as of this morning, they said they've gotten 5,700 people out, Victor. And yeah. uh, I mean, how, how do they even get to the airport with the Taliban's uh, crazy occupation? I mean, I mean, how's this working, Victor? Yeah, so there are checkpoints everywhere. There's roadblocks by the Taliban. They're controlling everything, right? And Kabul is, is where it's happening. So uh, there's a family, for, so your audience knows, we, we're on day four of trying to get them out of the country. And uh, that's why I get, if people know how difficult, and I'll kind of explain a little bit, but it is extremely difficult, not just based on the Taliban, but based on current leadership within the base there, and then all the way up to the administration. They are not making it easy. And, you know, uh, the family that we're getting out, they're a Christian family that's persecuted. The, the father actually worked for the U.S. government. And I'll tell you, they have, they are suffering uh, to the point of, you know, 30 hours without food. We got them to one place secure, but then they had to go to another. And... Uh, just last night, I haven't told anybody this, but just last night, we had people praying. Uh, we, you know, it was absolutely, we sustained casualties with them, uh, uh, you know, some injuries. So now they're, they're, we have them hiding in a place to stay away from the Taliban. And we're working uh, what we call our third redundancy plan with a second team. Uh, it's, it's that difficult. So droves, tens of thousands of people are flooding the airport region because that's where you're going to get out. The only other option is, uh, you know, heading for the border, the Pakistan border. And, and um, you know, some people are recommending that. The danger with that is at least the Taliban within Kabul are taking orders. But once you hit the Wild Wild West, which is, I think it's about a nine-hour drive, uh, uh yeah, uh, I think we actually have a, a map image of that, do we? Oh, you guys do. If you want to throw it up, it might help people kind of see as far as Kabul and, and actually the airport. Uh, but but there's no way, there's not infrastructure, there's not direction, there's not order for, for any of this to be happening. And then there's gates. There's gates set up to get in. Right now, as we speak, all the gates are shut down. They're locked down. There's not a flow. And uh, here's what boggles my mind, is that we have better out of control restraints and control on our gates. And there are Americans on the outside, Rick. There are Americans, I mean, veterans trying to get in and they can't because you get into the crowd. There are people that have been trampled near to death, kids hurt. I'm telling you firsthand, I know we're doing these operations. And yet our southern borders are wide open, wide open for anybody. It, that's how absolutely convoluted all this is. So like there's, there, there's Camp Sullivan is where people are trying to get to or the base and part of the airport is civilian, part of the airport is military and it, it's absolutely chaos. So uh, I'll tell you, things could change if strong leadership happened from the administration down, because again, it goes back to that weird principle that people are only making decisions if it's gonna help them. They're not, they're making the wrong decisions based out of fear. And uh, it, there are thousands that still need to get out. We should have been doing this a long time ago. We could have in an orderly fashion, uh, you know, it's, there's blood on Biden's hands. And I'm just gonna say it for and everyone else that's compliant with his uh, poor leadership. But um, yeah, I, the Americans are controlling uh, the, the, the Ahmed Karaza airport, but the Taliban's controlling the outside of it. So one of the problems that we've seen, uh, once they open a gate, and people start falling through, like trickling, because it's hard. It's uh, masses of people. The Taliban, they'll throw smoke grenades. They'll start firing.
to cause a stampede and a rush. And then our fine military folks have to shut the gate. And then it stops the flow. And you've got all these people on the outside. Uh, so, I mean, just last night, they were dropping CS gas to disperse them. But there's children in there as well. Uh, and I'll, I'll just say this, without movement, uh, nobody's leaving. And the, the Taliban threat is so unpredictable. They, I know for sure they're going house to house uh, because we've had to move people and uh, people living in fear. So I, I, I would say this, um, uh, there's a couple of places for US citizens and SIV applicants to move to. One of them is called Camp Sullivan, which I mentioned. And that's, that's what, uh, uh, stand by, stand by. Uh, one of them is uh, people just can't come and just, just get into the airport. I mean, at best they're taking SIV applicants. And so Camp Sullivan, it's on the east corner of the airfield. So if there's anybody watching this right now, uh, you know, you need to listen to this instruction. And then it's called an Abbey Gate. The other side is the North Gate on the north side of the airfield. Those have been the best two gates of late. But the last two nights, we've been trying to move a family of eight just through the Abbey Gate. And it's, uh, it's been horrific. Uh, and and I, I'm telling you, um, there's... There's something called the uh, non-combative evacuation operation that the Army and the Marines are they're, they're trained for, uh, but it's purely politics when it comes right down to it. It's, it's biting. Uh, he, he, this is what's so sad. People at home, you watch the images, but they really don't understand. Planes can't land on an airfield uh, in such a short window, unload passengers and then take off. Or I've known planes that left without people because of the threat level. So they just took off. And um, so for those people that are praying for our, our family and those that we are helping, I can tell you prayers do make a difference. And it's it, it feels like one step forward, two steps back. But you have to gauge success differently, which means the ones that you love aren't captured. Uh, they haven't been killed. And... Um, you know, for me, communicating over the last three days, 36 hours, calming, calming them, sending them scripture, uh, letting them know that people are praying, it does make a difference. Victor, when they're going from house to house and they're searching, are they searching for Americans? Are they searching for what they would view as traitors, people that are Afghanis that were sympathetic to America's cause? Who are they looking for? And if they find them, how do they identify them? And do they just execute them or uh, the house to house stuff? You said even your own team trying to move this family, you had some injuries on your team and now, you know, going to your redundant plan. I mean, everywhere. Yes. Yeah, sadly, the, the injuries sustained were the family. So, okay. yeah. And uh, so what they are doing is they're doing a couple of things. They are looking for anyone who helped Americans. They want to make them pay. And by execution or will they do other things to them? I mean, is it only, are they just gonna shoot them or what do you think, Victor? It's, it's a variety from taking their information okay. and saying when the Americans leave, we're coming back okay. to there's other places and the Taliban is like the Nazi regime. I'll tell you, they're, they're evil and they will, they will rape, murder women and children in front of the dad so that he suffers in the greatest way before they kill him. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Uh, even right now, if the Biden administration made some right decisions, we could take control the only thing, we'd have to kill some people. Can you imagine that? We'd actually have to smoke a bunch of Taliban. And um, it, it's in order to save lives. Because sometimes, uh, you know, somebody trained in violence is the only way to stop an evil person who's using violence. And and I, and I being passive in the face of violence, it, is, it's, uh, it doesn't work for Christians at home.
you know, that think, well, we, we shouldn't be violent. Let me tell you, I face ISIS fighters and, uh, and seeing things change in their position on this world and to protect others. I've had, you know, there's just a time, there's just a time you have to stop evil through force. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And uh, empty politics and rhetoric, it, it, it doesn't work. Uh, and I wish more people were straight shooters about that. And you know, you know who's suffering right now in the U.S. are veterans because they're seeing and knowing a price that they paid, uh, even the loss of friends. Now they're watching what's going on. And again, th- this was avoidable. Let's at least get the people out who helped us. Let's get Christians that are going to be uh, in minorities um, and certain ethnic groups. They're going to do ethnic cleansing. Mm-hmm. And do we just really stand by and watch, you know, hell be rained down on humanity in that way? So, yeah, it's so brutal. So there's a, uh, uh, a real uh, weakness to do the right thing to defend the helpless. And I think that that's um, such a tragic tragedy, whether it's from leadership uh, political leaders to governmental leaders to the uh, military leaders to even in Christian ministry to rescue people. There is a place to stand for the defenseless. And we just believe in what you're doing, Victor. And we're just, you know, our prayers are with you, Thank you. and the team there. And when we see this debacle, because your experience there you have your finger on the pulse, but now let's just pivot. Okay, we're, we don't have an ocean between us and that mess over there. The Americans, the Christians that just want to cover their eyes and cover their ears, let's bring it to our own southern border where 1.1 million people are flooding across in seven months. Once again, a failed leadership. It's not immigration, it's invasion uh, from a hundred different countries that that's ground zero. They just, that's the funnel for them to come through. And, and you've been spending time down there and bring us up to speed on our own southern border. That's, that's not, once again, we don't have an ocean of protection thousands of miles away. They're being bussed and, you know, coming through. It's unbelievable what's happening in our nation and around the world from failed leadership. Yeah. So I think six days ago, I was literally in southern Mexico and then Panama. Uh, I touched Guatemala and then Colombia. And uh, what we were doing was going to and studying the pipeline routes for immigrants coming through. And so I want to qualify that uh, we've done it on the border, the Texas-Mexico border, and then we went behind the border. We And then we kept going. And so we've seen it. So, and the things I'm going to share right now, uh, some of your viewers and listeners may not believe, uh, but I want to preface it with this. I love immigrants. I yes. love immigrants. And guess what? I want them to come to America. I'll say that right off the bat. That might tick some people off. I want immigrants to come to America. But I want them to do it the right way. Because yes. currently, I guarantee you, you give me a Guatemalan crew doing labor compared to young American men doing labor, I'll take that Guatemalan crew any day, right? Uh, so I, I, I'm telling you, I love immigrants, and it's got to be done the right way. Yes. So with that said, with that said, I look at this issue as a Christian, as an American patriot, and a humanitarian. And one, let's start with this. Our border should be sealed, completely sealed. When, when everything was happening uh, a while back, uh, and the left was up in arms and the election was coming and, it, you know, they're talking about Trump putting kids in cages, which was bunk because I went there and saw, I went to Iraq and I, and I remember asking people, common folks to generals, hey, you see what's going over in America, our southern border? What would you tell American people? And I literally record them saying, protect your border. Protect your border, or you're going to have what we have. ISIS invading. And and I thought, 
It's that simple. But there are so many stupid people that have political agendas and are wanting to weaponize the immigrants. Um, and that's really it. They don't care about them because if the administration cared about them or people who were saying open borders, get your carcass down to where you see them suffering. Uh, for instance, in Panama, there's a stretch of uh, there's a stretch of land called the Darien Gap, and it's it's how they cross from Colombia into Central America through Panama on their track. It's a 60 mile track through a jungle. It's considered one of the most dangerous jungles in the world. You know what? Right now, the statistics, and I'm going to say it conservatively, and people still won't believe it. One out of ten people that enter that don't come out. 60 miles. Because of terrain, because of uh, vipers, people are getting attacked by bandits. And then I can tell you with certainty that the majority of every woman that goes in there is going to get raped. And young girls. There are parents that die in there and they give their children to someone to take them out. So we went to the Daring Gap. And how did we get there? Uh, we had to fly into Panama, a three-hour car ride up to the jungle, then a three-hour canoe ride up the river. And we went to this little this little village, uh, and the village is made up of 400 people. And do you know right now, like three weeks ago, about 400 people a day were coming in, four to 500. When I was there just last week, about 1,000 immigrants were coming through. They've overwhelmed this little village. The river's nasty, trash everywhere. There's sickness. There's, uh, 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 well, I mean, people's feet. Uh, there's trench foot. There was a baby that had like trench foot on their bottom, skin peeling off. And there are bodies floating in the river, cadavers. Um, so this this place was so nasty. I told I told someone I said COVID doesn't even go in there. Uh, COVID said I'll, I'll stay out of that one. But uh, it's a that's a great choke point for Christians to engage from a Christian standpoint to engage and literally, I mean, bring a music box, bring a guitar, sit there and just start singing worship songs to lift the spirits of people. A lot of Haitians coming through there. A lot of Cubans. I remember there was a one group of Cubans and the lady's feet was tore up, barely walking. I said, ma'am, is it worth it? She looks at me. Now this is from the humanitarian side. She looks at me and says, it's worth it already because I'm free from Cuba. Everything she just went through, which tells you how bad Cuba is, which is on our next list to do a pump into Cuba. So as a Christian and humanitarian, there's so much need that we can address in, you know, not only at our borders, but south of it. But most people don't want to go because they're afraid. They're afraid of cartels and they're afraid of thugs and bad governments and, you know, COVID and disease. You know what I say? Threaten me with heaven. Watch how motivated I get. Yeah. Amen. So how far, I mean, this is just at Panama and then they have how far to go? I mean, they're, they're on their way to our border, right? Yes. And, and you can't get there without the cartel paying the cartels off. Tell us a little bit about the the corruption of the cartel, the trafficking, just to sell your soul to get across the border. What, what's yeah. that look like, Victor? Well, listen, it, it's mind-blowing, the mechanism and the machinery of this. If yeah. people really knew. When I left there, this was the main thing I said. We can't stop it. We literally cannot stop this machine. You would have to have a president with a, you know, spine of steel, yeah. and integrity, and a caring heart, and a functional mind, to understand that the pull and offer you're getting is actually causing death, rape, uh, trauma that will last for these children the rest of their lives. So this pull, uh, but we we. <laughs> We pulled into a little hostel hotel out in the jungle, and right next to it was a camp. It was a transfer camp, big fences, 
And they were bringing the immigrants from the little camp up the river three hours down, pulling them in and housing them there. There were buses. We counted nine full-size Greyhound buses or, you know, whatever type bus that size, nine of them full, pushing out that night. They were doing it all in the cover of night. They're driving them nine hours, eight or nine hours to the Costa Rican border and dropping them off. So each country is just moving them. They're not yes. stopping the borders. It's They're a pipeline. Them. Yeah, it's a pipeline. It is a pipeline uh, from all around the world. And what people need to understand, uh, there are, I've seen with my own eyes, Europeans, there's Asians, there's Middle Easterners coming through. But by the time they make it through the trek, those that make it through Mexico, and uh, I will say this, there are rape camps, that's real. But, but it's not like, you know, it's not what people would envision. Rape is happening all the time, anywhere on, on the pipeline, anywhere, because there's no one to protect you. I looked at some guys, and these dudes were pretty stout. They were Haitians. And I said, hey, man, in the Darien Gap, y'all, y'all get mugged? And like, yeah. I said, you guys look like y'all could fight. You know what they said? Well, they had pistols, and we don't want any trouble. So men just sit there and watch women get raped. They turn, you don't think this is causing psychological problems? Uh, and let me tell you, the one thing that we did do down there and on the border is we bring lion and lambs to children. And if people want to see the most amazing transformation of children who, who are a heavy burden, pain, sorrow, sick, to just giving them a little lion and lamb that has music and prayers in it and scriptures, the beaming faces, go to our website, victormarch.com, or our, our social media, because it's something as simple as that works, right? But I will say this. When, uh, by the time they get up to the border, they're flowing in, just like you said, Rick. They're, they're flowing in simply yeah, because of the sheer number. When you, when the sheer, it's like some, it's like having a rainstorm in your neighborhood. No matter how well it is, if it's raining five times greater, ten times, then you just, you're going to get flooding. And that's what's happening on our borders. And listen, as much as I love immigrants and people and I want them to come in, uh, because I was telling people, you know, if you can't go back, you know, I'm praying for you to, to make it there successfully. I've seen with my own eyes people in airports in McConnell in the U.S. with manila folders. I wish I had one. And it had written on it, I don't speak English. Help me to my, help me catch my flight. And their flight's on there. Our, they are being sent all over the United States. Now, they're doing it through a lot of, of charities that are getting heavily funded by our government. So nobody's going to – it literally is a form of human trafficking. They're taking them, paying them, and sending them somewhere. So, again, they're weaponizing migrants. And Christians in America, you need to look for the opportunities to find migrants in your town because they're, they're there and they're coming. Go there. Minister to them. Help them. Let them know that there are people that let them in for the wrong reasons, and they're not going to help them. And we need to really seize the opportunity to be a light. And uh, it's just like sex trafficking. We were in Colombia. There's a 15-year-old girl who had, you know, selling herself. There's so many young girls selling themselves. And it's $8 an hour. And for a pedophile, that's a dream come true. For us who hunt and stop predators and pedophiles, it's a target-rich environment. But our goal is to change the equation so that we get the girls off the street. And I want your, I want those listening and praying, we're going to go down there and we're going to start taking them off the streets. We already did on our short trip, but we saw the need. You change the variable, change the equation, remove it, help these girls get protected because they're flooding in just from Venezuela. But it's so sad, but yet it's an opportunity for Christians to go down and make a difference and really punch the devil right in the, right in the eye. Mm -hmm. So 
where would you set up down there, Victor? How can we practically pray? What would we do practically to rescue those who are vulnerable? But if we rescue them down there, they're probably, you know, are, is the government, they're uh, sympathetic to us helping people when you go there? Are you able to go with security? You got armed guys to keep you safe. What, yes. I mean, can, can you build a compound there to rescue people? Or, I that mean, is, what's a, what's a practice? Yeah, that is our goal. We're looking at two cities for sure, uh, Tapachula in southern Mexico, where the pipeline flows through from Guatemala right into, there's a river right there. It's Guatemala in Mexico, and it's called Tapachula. And we literally crossed over, uh, me and uh, Colonel Teagues, we crossed over by way of coyotes. We literally were sneaking into Guatemala and then had to sneak back. But it's so brazen, the guy pushing us in the little raft had coyote written on his back. I was like, <laughs> what do you guys have, a union or something? He's got business, business cards. <laughs> it's like, hey. So, and uh, we've got footage of it because people won't believe it. But yes. People getting stuck there. There's such yeah. a need. Uh, I mean, there was a, a pregnant woman, a teenager, and she was, she was, we got her off the street through our friend Chuck Holton, and then she had a baby like a day before we got there. Uh, but no family. Uh, it's, the need is so great. So that's one choke point. And I'll just say this, because people are going to wonder, how are they doing this? Because you mentioned cartel and money. The biggest money for the cartels is at the border, Texas. There's three major cartels. No one crosses that river It's it, without them. And then the cartels are fighting and hate each other. But how do they flow? Who's buying those buses that's transporting them? Uh, there's an organization called OIM, and it is a immigration, you know, nonprofit, but it's heavily funded by George Soros. We are our, our analysts and people, we've researched it. There is an intentionality of flooding America with immigrants from all over the world to control the US from the inside out through politics. And and I'm telling people, Christians, there's no longer ignorance, like you said in the beginning, covering your eyes and that don't float anymore. That does not float anymore. Because it's here and it's happening, and we're going to lose our freedoms. We're losing them already, but I mean wholesale. And that's why that's why I tell pastors, if you're not standing up, if you're not leading people well, I don't care if you can teach the Bible. If you're immature, <clears throat> a horrible leader, and and you lack courage, get out of the pulpit. Because all you are is a bad example. Go do something else. Uh, but yes, and the other city is in Columbia, Carnegie, which is uh, where the movie, I think, Romancing the Stone was made. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was the Senate? Yeah. And uh, so that is another place where, again, they're flowing in from Venezuela. And my bride and I are going to take a team back very shortly and look at property. Uh, like you said, a compound. Well, we can start bringing them in because all we have to do is house them. We just took a young girl with two children, uh, a young, uh, I'm sorry, this one had one little child. She's living on a dirt floor. And they're just normal people, no kitchen, no, a little room. So we put them in a, I mean, right there we executed and said, no, you guys are going to get out of this. You're going to get off the street. And uh, so the, the opportunity is great. And we're going to be taking people down there, and then we're going to be rotating Christians who go, hey, I'd like to go there in the short term. And yes, we'll provide security. And yes, we are good about developing relationships with host nations, local police. We, we know how it's done because my wife and I have a house in Iraq. And, you know, to date, we've helped over 43,000 women and children in Iraq and Syria. Uh, I just got a comp. Uh, of we have a we have an actual outreach center inside an ISIS confinement camp, and we're reaching children and women every day. So, uh, yeah, you know, again, people go, I, I can never do what you do, and I go, well, all we're supposed to do is run in our own lanes. That's all. 
So some people need a support. There are people who do the hardest work of all, in my opinion, is pray. You know, me, I've been shot at, mortared by ISIS, and all I do is laugh. Although my wife says, when I get to heaven, when I enter the gates, my guardian angel is going to backhand me. And I'm going to say, I, I had it coming. I had it coming. Uh, <laughs> well, this is one of my favorite quotes, though. I heard that your wife said she would rather uh, be a widow than be married to a coward. That she's sitting right here and she's <laughs> that is That's the woman I'm married to. So, man, you know, I, I remember we were going to go on a mission and I was like, ooh, you know, this one, this one kind of, you know, because we do risk assessment. And she's looking at me like, well, you come back with your shielder on it. I go get it. I was like, I was like, you know, you ready to be a, a, a widow for the gospel? And she's like, how long are we going to live here on this earth anyway? Yeah. I just thought, Lord, she wears me out. But man, I tell you what, she makes me want to be the best man I can be. Swim oceans, climb mountains, and uh, take out the garbage. And take out the garbage. <laughs> Honey, you know, that, that, that is, that is a, that's a very difficult thing. Why'd you throw it in that? Well, because... <laughs> <laughs> well, was was somebody in uh, uh, you know shoving you into the battle with that kind of courage? What a blessing! Well, Victor, why don't you pray for those who are there, and we want to uh, get involved with you. I love the vision of Cartagena, and uh, also the 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 one at the other choking point. And if yeah. you guys are listening, and may, you can pray and you can give, and they can get on your website, victormarks.com. Yes, sir. And uh, and uh, get behind them. And if they're going to be having these teams go, you can get in that pipeline of doing good. You know, we live in a world of evil, and evil seems to be right now from uh, <laughs> around the globe all the way into the White House. The yes. failed leadership, the failed, the agenda to, to rob Americans of our liberty, and mm. the lack of courage. Most of America is asleep, Victor. It is unbelievable to me. The churches are asleep and pastors are actually speaking up against people like us who are trying to stand up and say, look at what is going on in our nation. Look at what is going on around the world. And it's to me, it's unbelievable the ignorance right now or the intentionality of putting their head in the sand. Yeah. And, and I like that word intentionality because uh, what they consider virtue oftentimes is just cowardice cloaked yes. in, in twisted scripture. Um, and I, I'm pretty direct with men in ministry uh, because they're going to be held accountable. Uh, you know, and I, I tell people, look, uh, if you ask your pastor what he believes, ask him. There's a young man that just got called out and I've been talking to him. He is a popular speaker and I won't give his name because it's going to be on social media. But, you know, I simply asked him, do you believe homosexuality is a sin? And he would not say it's a sin. He's a popular book writing on TV, preaching on radio. And, and he, you know, he want, he want to be friends with me because of the rah-rah. I told him, I said, man, look, I love gays. I love homosexuals. I said, people who struggle with same-sex attraction, I love them. Uh, because I know what God can do in and through somebody. I struggle with opposite sex attraction. So, you know, it's like, man, and he refuses to say homosexuality is a sin. And I'm just like, so across the board, I would just tell people, start finding out this guy who you like listening to, who's a good, find out what he really believes, be direct. And if they don't want to answer it, move on. Uh, go online, watch watch good pastors like Rick and Rob. Mm -hmm. Uh, because they're out there and, um, and I love the energy of people who are fully committed to the Lord. And we live in a time where it's so dark, it's easy to be a light. It's Amen. easy to be a light, right? <laughs> the smallest little candle in a dark room really lights it up. And man, it's as black. It is pitch black out right now, isn't it, Victor? It is. And, you know, I've had people go, oh, my gosh, you're a super saint. You're a hero. And I go, first of all, not a hero, but I work with some. And I know <laughs> people who we reach are. I said, uh, 
you know, I want to be a disciple. To me, that's yeah. one of the greatest comments. If I could just be his disciple. And, yeah. uh, but, but the other thing is that we've, we've been in places so dark, I wasn't even a candle. I was just a spark, just a, but it makes people look. And that's what we have to do. So people right now, there's an oppression, people are discouraged. And listen, it's a funnel. We're, it's a funnel. We're heading in the last days. We are here in the last days. It shouldn't bum you out. It should motivate you. Yeah. Uh, everything that's happening, it's got to happen. But you don't yeah. sit on your hands and you don't say, well, I'll just, you know, blah, blah. No, you fight. You occupy. Yeah. You do what the Lord says. You uh, fight the good fight. Amen. So <clears throat> wherever God puts you, that's what people, whatever lane he puts you in, that's where they need to run. <coughs> Well, I think it's definitely not a time for us to be uh, hiding out and seeking safety. I tell my wife, uh, you know, privately, honestly, on one hand, this is the tar darkest time in my lifetime. I'm 56. And I said, this is the most exciting time to live in our whole history as far as our age. We look Agreed. at all of these epic times where heroes rise up and we admire them because they stood up in dark times. And I'm like, hey, it doesn't take much right now, you guys. Just stand up and be counted for and watch what God does through your life. It, it does, man. It, I, I love that and I agree with you. And we're actually the same age. But man, you you look young and healthy. I look, I, I look like I've been in Iraq 14 times. And, <laughs> People That's look, what happens when look, you get shot at. I, I've, only, I've only been shot out twice, so that doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> hey, pray well, for us, Victor. Let's wrap, yeah, that, wrap it up. Lord, thank you, Juan. Thank you for saving us. I mean, those of us who know you personally, we just start with gratitude. Of, you saved us for all eternity. We have the hope of heaven. So let us look at those who are in darkness with only the eyes of love. Help us look at those who are wicked with no desire to turn as enemies of your kingdom, Lord, that you, they will face destruction. But Lord, those that are lost, let us be a light to them. Let us love them as you love them because you said that you love this world so much. You gave your only begotten son which is an example for us that we should be willing to lay down our life and to die for your cause. Lord, I pray that those who are watching right now, I pray you would remove this spirit of fear on them because you haven't given them a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, Lord, to do great and mighty things. And Lord, uh, they're more than overcomers. I pray that the lies that have been whispered in the ear that they believed so long, it's become their their dysfunctional, horrible truth. I pray those lives would be broken and they would start believing the truth that they're more than an overcomer, more than, and that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. And Lord, I pray most of all, they would understand how much you love them. Yes. So God, we pray for those suffering. Right now, you tell us, you tell us that we're to help widows and orphans in their time of need and distress. And there are so many right now, never been more. So God, give us the heart that is your heart. Give us the eyes that see as you see them. Lord, help us to speak the words that will encourage them. And Lord, thank you for the privilege to be your hand and feet. So God, I pray that you give wisdom to leaders, both in our government, both in our military, and then also just in the civilian realm that affect change. And I pray people would want to be involved in those realms in their own home or they don't have to go overseas to make a difference but they got to secure the walls around their own home around their own town by being involved so give men and women vision for that lord i pray for our youth i pray they would stop running toward suicide and emptiness and lord that they would run toward you and be on fire and stoke up older believers that have justified them calming down. You never tell us to calm down. Uh, Lord, we want to wear out, not rust out for your glory. And Lord, I, 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 finally, I want to just say, I pray for marriages. We've talked about his wife. I've talked about my bride. 
Lord, I pray you protect, strengthen, and encourage our marriages because when our marriages aren't doing right, everything, every nothing works right, Lord. So God, I pray for those listening that are struggling, I pray that you would help them. And those that are single, I pray they'd embrace that singleness like you did, Jesus. Embrace it. Uh, the freedom that they have, the passion, knowing and trusting you'll bring the right person at the right time. And God, we thank you for that. So Lord, thank you for my friend, Rick. I pray you'd bless him. Lord, thank you for his courage, his manhood, the masculinity that he has and the example that he is, just like Rob, and, and especially in California, Lord, where it's needed. But bless and protect him, I pray. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Victor, for really letting us know what's going on in Afghanistan and in the pipeline uh, that's really turning into an invasion and a ministry opportunity to go do some good in the, a very dark world. God bless you. Light in the darkness, I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, 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 whoa. In times of trouble, I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 I will keep my heart seeking